and welcome to Outrage and Optimism. My name's Tom Rivik Karnak. I'm Christiana Figueres. And I'm Paul Dickinson. This week, as the world comes to a standstill for the global climate strikes, we ask what's going to happen next week when world leaders gather at the United Nations in New York. Plus, we speak to Amina Mohammed, Deputy Secretary General of the United Nations. Thanks for being here. Okay, guys, this is it. This is a big weekend for us. We have just come off the back of the most remarkable day yesterday at the climate strike. We three were together in New York and millions of people around the world, kids as well as everyone else of all ages, took the day off work, they took the day off school, and they came together to demand an appropriate response to the climate action that actually meets the scale of the challenge. Now, this, of course, is meaningful and impactful in and of itself, but it's particularly important because in just 48 hours, world leaders will be gathering in New York for the Secretary General's Climate Summit. Now, it's interesting. I mean, this is sort of a mirror of what happened five years ago, 15 months before Paris. And that event has now been replicated by the current Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, to bring world leaders back to New York to build the political momentum that is going to be necessary to take us through the next 15 months. So today we're going to talk about where we are with all of that, what's going to happen next week, and how can we make it a success? So, Tom, I was wondering, um, because we were all together five years ago, as you have said, uh, and we were, it wasn't called a strike then, right? right in 2014, March. it yeah. was a march. It was an absolutely astonishing march in New York. Yeah. Um, and very well organized by the organizers. It had just blocks and blocks and blocks and blocks of different constituents. Do you remember constituencies? So there were, you know, blocks of teachers and blocks of grandparents and blocks of scientists. Do, do, you, and they, do you remember when we went in to the VIP section at the front, what happened? No. <laughs> so we went in and I said, oh, you know, Christiana Figueres, uh, she's the executive secretary of the UN Climate Convention, and he sort of looked at me and said, oh, we're with the United Nations. And he said, oh, you guys belong in the problem section at the back. <laughs> <laughs> so then, that was pre-Paris. Good, <laughs> good attitude, good attitude, very healthy. Um, but, but so what is, you know, I, I think it would be interesting just to contrast uh, between where we were in September of 2014 and where we are in September of 2019. So a couple of things um, just hit me. The first is that, um, yes, there is a massive demonstration just before the meeting that has been called by the Secretary General, then as of now, but it strikes me that there's a different tone to the demonstration. Mm. It strikes me that the tone in 2014 was, yes, we can do it and go to Paris and do your thing because we will be right behind you. It strikes me that the tone now is an angry tone. It's, what have you been doing? Why is it taking you so long? Our future is in danger. There is much more, to use our favorite word, there's much more outrage now on the right. streets than there was in 2014. Yeah. It, in 2014, it was much more of a supportive tone to what world leaders needed to do, in part because we orchestrated it that way. Right. Um, but this this time, there is much more outrage. So that's interesting, right? Because mm. this is five years later. 
granted there is no agreement that needs to be and uh, needs to be reached uh, next but year that's, that's an interesting point right because i wonder whether and i remember the tone in 2014 there was kind of a feeling that an agreement would solve this mm. and i wonder whether we've now realized that that's not the case right an agreement is one piece of an then it was necessary approach. but not sufficient necessary but not sufficient yes and exactly yeah. Yes, well, that's very true. And and the other piece is that in those five years, emissions have continued to rise. Yeah, which is outrageous. And that is outrageous. Yeah. That is outrageous. So that has also contributed to the outrage. Yeah. So mm. a very different tone in the streets. Totally. Okay, so let's talk a little bit of optimism. We have an incredibly distinguished, new, kind of unimaginable leader in the form of Greta who's been over here. She gave, I think, testimony in the Congress and she, rather than submitting written comments in advance, which is what you normally do, she submitted simply reports from scientists. I cannot overemphasize how excited I am the way the the, the sort of leader of the youth movement, if, if that's not too the wrong name to use for what she's doing, the the, the, the figurehead, the, the, the symbol of the youth movement, she just stands behind the scientists. It's perfect. It's, 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 it's like far better than any kind of argument that anyone's going to make. Mm. This is a scientific mm. problem. Scientists are worried about it and the youth are just saying, listen to the scientists. It's, it's, and it was it was pure theatre, right? I mean, you've got to watch the video if you haven't seen it. Greta basically walked in, threw the IPCC report at them, dropped the mic and walked out. You know, and it was just this amazing moment of theatre where she was just like, you, you know, forget your obsession with celebrity. You need to listen to the truth. Yep. Well, you know, they're government scientists, taxpayers' money. I, I trust them entirely. And not listening to them is, is kind of crazy. I, I do remember, like, that, another reason to be optimistic is I think things are moving along. I think the march was great at the time, although I'm sorry that the United Nations was in the problem section. But I remember going up to a couple of demonstrators. <laughs> I don't think there uh, actually was kind of, a problem section. Who were <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, exactly. You, you got it to the front of the queue. Well done, you two. So, uh, along with a lot of other people. But I remember I went up these demonstrators. They were dressed as like dinosaurs or something. And I was like, you know, this is great what you're doing. But do you know, just up the road, there's like, um, I think it's the the Metropolitan Ballet or something is 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 sponsored by some billionaires who've been putting a lot of money into climate denial. You should actually be up there stopping the people. Coke Brothers. Ah, oh, thank you, Christiana. Their name escaped me just for a moment. You should be up there stopping them being members of of, of high society and celebrated, uh, you know, uh, in in Manhattan for 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 what they do because actually. Um, that kind of funding against climate science, against Greta's message, frankly, is being exposed as as intolerable. So I think that the the popular movements over over these years in between have moved forward. In five years, we've gone a long way. Yeah, I also think that um, you know, and not to take anything away from the 2014 march, but my memory of it was it was a cast of somewhat familiar characters. You know, it was a range of people who were concerned about poverty and all the traditional NGOs were there and everyone was mm -hmm. kind of showing up. And, you know, it was a range of characters who kind of been in this for decades. Inside the tent people. Inside the tent people who kind of knew about the issues, etc. It didn't feel like it had penetrated beyond Very true. those people who'd been interested in this for a long time. It just precipitated a great turnout of those who cared. This feels different. And it's mm. partly because it's the youth, but I think yeah. it's not only that, but it feels more transcendent of those boundaries and people who haven't felt like this has been their issue before now feel like it yes, is. And totally I do think agree. that's different. Yeah. 
Totally agree. Yeah. And a huge thing is, um, you know, this is in Climate Week, which um, for those of you with long memories will know actually started 10 years ago. And it was, it was oddly enough, my little organization, CDP, together with um, the, the climate group and noticing that we were launching our results in the same week as the UN. What I'm, what I'm driving at is the non-state actors. Let's call them the United Corporations. Let's call them the United Investors, along with the United Nations. Those three are now coming together and the corporations and the investors are saying they, they see it they, they, they've gone on a huge journey in the last five years and business when it changes it changes fast and i, I feel that as well i can smell it it's exciting yeah. although one other thing that's different that we mustn't forget is that five years ago we had a political climate that was good and improving so we had leaders around the world and at the 2014 summit that was hosted by the then SG Ban Ki-moon, you know, we had Obama coming out. We had, um, you know, leaders from many, many different countries that were in the ascendancy that were leading towards Paris. And you got this sense of a gathering wave. We haven't got that now. So yes, you have this anger. We have a very divided world on this. We have a very divided world with a lot of, um, you know, strong leaders who are, it's in their national interest, short-term national interest, they think, to ignore this. So what we are going to see in the process on Monday, which will be the Secretary General Summit itself, I don't know. I mean, I'm not inside the tent anymore. I don't get to see the briefings as to what's coming up. But my sense is it will be underwhelming in terms of the number of countries that will actually stand up and make strong commitments. I agree. Um, and the other, just, just to go further into that, Tom, um, the the other striking difference is that in 2014, there was a march organized, a supportive march, right? right? Before the SG Summit. And then everybody went home. Here, there is a strike. It's not a march. There's a strike the Friday before and a strike the Friday afterward. Right. Basically, with the already planned message of it's not enough. Yeah. Because they already know that it's not enough. Yeah. Very much along the lines of what you're saying. So is some of the division that we're seeing in the world, this polarization, do you know, I'm starting to wonder if it is actually very largely about climate change. You know, those who are in denial, economic and, and their you know political interests, supporting economic interests are dividing societies. You know, a lot of the populists are, are kind of, you know, anti-climate change. And then there's this coming together. There's this big global movement happening simultaneously. Everything's getting pulled apart just as everything's coming together. And, you know, I think over the long term, clearly the 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 the, the the sort of recognition that we have to stand together and fight this problem is going to win. But it is, yes, it's a very, it's a very complex time in terms of those, those divergent uh, things happening. I don't know if you saw, there's a really interesting piece in the FT a few days ago that pointed out, um, and you, we've got to give him credit. I mean, Guterres has been fierce about this. Yes, you he know, has. He has come out and he has been a real leader. He has yeah. totally put on his armor around this. Yeah. Yes, very impressive. And he's saying, you know, you can't come to the summit if you're still building coal. Mm-hmm. And that means that many large countries aren't welcome. Mm-hmm. And that's causing quite a bit of interesting consternation. I mean, what do you think about that as a strategy? Because you know, the Paris strategy was big tent, come along, get moving, you know, and Obama was very much into this sort of saying, we need everybody in the tent sharing responsibility, and then we can ramp up. This is a different strategy now, it's a different time. What do you think of that approach? Well, it's, I think it's very consistent with the mood on the streets. Right. Right? Yeah. It's a very, very consistent because it's, it's a mood of outrage. It's a mood of not enough. Um, and it's, it's rippling through 
even the institutionalized United Nations mm. that is supposed to be, frankly, very neutral and not being taking a position and very embracing and inclusive of everyone. And that's not what he's doing. Right. He is really drawing a line on the sand. Yeah. And why is he doing that? Because he knows that the common good is here being threatened. He yeah. knows that. He knows that, but that's that's still impressive, right? I mean, we know how difficult Very it is impressive. to do that inside the UN and to do that with the current political leaders up against the face yeah. of Trump, etc. It's bold. Yeah, it's yeah. very courageous. Yeah. And very so, necessary. And necessary. So Amina is such an interesting character. Why don't you say just a word or two? Because you and her had almost comparable roles in 2015, didn't you? Well, we did. We did. So Amina in 2015 was... Um, the person in New York who brought together the countries around the Sustainable Development Goals. That was her role. Uh, and she basically uh, convened and uh, delivered the political strategy for the success in adopting the, um, the Sustainable Development Goals in September that were then the antecedent for the Paris Agreement. Right. Um, but, you know, very interesting, she then came to Paris um, and was no longer a UN person. She was all of a sudden back in her home country, um, oh, minister of, yeah. of Nigeria. Yeah. Um, and she participated as minister of Nigeria with yeah. a very different tone. Yeah. So it's quite fascinating how when we take on an official role, we really put on that vest yes. and we step into that role. And then we are capable of stepping out of that role and into a different role. Right. Yeah. And now, of course, she has one of the biggest jobs in the UN. Well, she has definitely, I mean, honestly, kudos to her, right? She has really done all of the heavy lifting, all of the um, very, very hard work to bring this summit together. I, I remember talking to her a year ago when it was absolutely nowhere from where it is today. She has been extraordinarily brave, uh, always pushing back against the whole team saying, this is not enough. I want more. I want more. I want more. Or rather, we need more. Right. Uh, we need more. Um, and honestly, kudos to her. Right? Absolutely. Kudos to her. She has done an extraordinary job in getting uh, this summit as far as it is in full recognition that it is not any miraculous answer, but it is definitely going to be one more, uh, what, one more big push. Yeah. And the SDGs are such a huge achievement. I'm in awe of that. Amazing. All right. Well, let's go and talk to Amina. Sounds good. Super. So, dear Amina, thank you so much for taking time for uh, the Outrage and Optimism podcast. We know you're. this is just a few minutes before the summit uh, and you have a crazy schedule, but, um, but thank you for joining us. You know, our podcast is called Outrage and Optimism because we think that we need both outrage and optimism to get us to where we need to get. Uh, and I think you, uh, you ha have felt both of those in different times. But I'm just wondering now, just a few minutes or a few days before the summit, how how are you feeling in terms of sentiment? Because outrage and optimism are both sentiments. How are you feeling about the summit? Christiana, great to be with you. Actually, a lot of outrage because I think what we've done is, is really sort of um, upset Mother Nature. 
but optimism because the solutions are there. And quite frankly, the voices of all our partners, um, whether they're young people or it's government, some leadership in government that we've seen mm. or business, uh, it's really exciting. We've just sort of ignited this fire in people's bellies and now it's erupting and we are getting results. And, I, and so I'm very excited. I'm a little nervous because, yes. you know, <laughs> you, you, you want to succeed. But I think what we said to people, well, this is going to be a springboard and, you know, how far are we going to Spring. We need to get to 2020 to show the world that we can make those targets work. We can, as you said to us a long time ago, bend the curve. Mm. Can we do that? Yes, we can. So, yes, the eve of it, we are outraged, but we are incredibly optimistic. Fantastic. Fantastic. So you said you want to see success. Can you define that for what, what you know, by the time Monday night rolls around and you finally collapse into bed after a whole year of preparation, um, what is success going to be for you? I thought about that long and hard. And I mean, what the SG did was to, to set an opportunity um, for the world to actually see if we could meet the first target uh, for Paris. And I think it was, uh, for me, a struggle to think, right, how does this, what does this mean really? Um, and as a former Minister of Environment, it Indeed. meant the NDCs. Yes. These were things that you guys fought really hard for us all to sign on the eve, and we did, and we stepped up. But then we unpacked them, and they were 3.2 degrees. Um, 3.7, actually, even Okay, worse. even worse. 3.7 yeah. degrees, that's nowhere near nowhere. where we need to be. And so when you say the 2020 target, we all looked around and said, so what do the NDCs look like now? Who's implement them, implementing them four years later? Um, where is this going? Um, and then we found there's a gaping hole. And so for, for, for us, um, it's been exciting to put that together, to see where the gaps are, to move people. Um, and so success would mean for me, who is on the stage um, showing the leadership uh, for meeting those targets in terms of government and business? And what are they saying they're going to do in real time um, on their way to COP26? That's mm. not the end of the journey, um, but certainly it's a really big crossroad. Um, and I think that this is what excites me is that how many will determine that they're going to be more ambitious. Uh, we've already got the support for over 100 NDCs. It's a really complex thing to take climate action. Uh, as the SG says, OK, you know what? No coal, no more new plants. That was a um, very you know, courageous stand incredibly. to take. I think so. And very I think you know, people thought, why would you say something that's impossible? And he said, well, everything is, is possible and has to be because it is so urgent mm -hmm. and that there is a crisis. So I think that if we get to um, Monday evening um, and, and we face the press and they say, well, so did we succeed? If the travel, if the direction of travel is that we've got more than 60, 70 countries leaning in the right direction, business saying they're going to move trillions of what is there, what it, what it is that they, um, they, they, they manage, then yes, absolutely. And I think that we can't ignore that young people are not only advocating, they're actually bringing solutions to the table. Indeed. And it's not about their, their future in 2050s, their future now. And so they also have to walk the talk. Mm-hmm. It's not just about, you know, this generation, it's the next generation, the generation after, and many of them will be in leadership positions, 2030, 2050, certainly. Absolutely. Um, so it, it's, I think if we can see that engagement and some serious traction and stuff that we can take out of the, the summit mm. to next steps, yeah. to Chile, mm -hmm. um, to uh, COP26. Yes. Um, well, we'll get to the young people in a minute, but I wanted to um, 
I mean, it just point, because when I said courageous that the SG, you know, said no more new coal as of 2020. The other thing that you have done that is very courageous is um, you have actually made decisions to give the microphone to some countries and not to others. That is perhaps not appreciated by those outside of the UN, but in the UN, that is... Major. I've never seen that. That is major. I have never seen that because the UN is always, frankly, so... Um, risk so strapped, Very risk averse. <laughs> but also the hands are always tied yes. because you can never put some countries up above others. You can never differentiate. You always have to bring everyone along. And by bringing everyone along, invariably, you are at the minimum common denominator. And this time, you and the SG have been courageous enough to say minimum common denominator just doesn't cut it anymore. No. We are really going to break out, I think, out of the UN mold and really shine a light on those who are doing the right thing. How did you ever come to that? Well, frankly, I think member states gave us a license. It was called Paris Agreement. <laughs> That's the license to disrupt and mm. to get to the targets they set. Mm. Um, so even when some countries will say to us, you know, why are you talking about 1.5 degrees when we said that wasn't what we said in Paris? I said, well, unless I'm wrong, you said well below two degrees. And SG said, let's be ambitious. And striving so toward 1.5. maybe we could do 1.1. You know, but we chose 1.5 because we think that this is what uh, the science has said is exactly. good enough to bend the curve. Yes. That's the first. We took license for member states. And how are we going to support them to get those targets? So our job is to see they don't fail. Mm -hmm. And with that momentum, you can say, right, we're, we have this summit where you have a little bit more latitude when it's the SGs mm -hmm. and you set the parameters for what it's going to be about. And he said, I don't want rhetoric. We want plans. We've had the negotiations. We've had the words. Now let's have some plans. So you come with plans. One page, a criteria. This is what an ambitious plan looks like to get to the targets. You set SG didn't set them. Exactly. They were negotiated. So what happens is that countries are either turning up or not. Mm -hmm. We're not turning anyone away. So when someone says, well, you've just turned them away. No, they didn't turn up. They didn't come with their one pager. They didn't knock on the door. No, they didn't come with a one pager with the ambition. Yeah. And that's what keeps you off the stage because we want to show the world what leadership looks like to act against climate change. And I think it's important because there's such a different constituency. I mean, when you look to what happened in Paris and you look to see what needs to happen to make Paris real in people's lives and on the ground, there's a different set of faces there now. It's not governments Absolutely. alone. Yes. And so the coalitions that are working with us, with business, um, with, in fact, science, uh, with the communities, with mayors, I mean, this is new. Um, and they're coming up there and they're putting on the table, this is what we're going to do and it's ambitious. And quite frankly, that's exactly what we were asking for. Yeah, it, it, re it really is quite uh, unusual, as you say, groundbreaking, the depth and breadth of the platform that you're giving to uh to other stakeholders that are not national governments. Um, and did you get any pushback from member states? 
We got lots of concerns um, from them that you were not um, rolling back the Paris Agreement or distorting it, which is why I said that the Paris Agreement is in fact the license that member states gave us to act to support them. Um, so yes, we did get some pushback from people who thought uh, ambition was unrealistic. And so we will continue to say that it's only impossible until it's done. Mm -hmm. So turn up and show us what you can do. Mm -hmm. um, we got pushback that, you know, we need to have everyone. And so this whole inclusion, mm -hmm. um, which is fine, because now what we've done is created the space over three days. Mm -hmm. So we do hear everyone. Mm -hmm. um, and there's much that's not just quite cooked yet. So it can't get to the summit with the criteria for the ambition that we set. But it's not out. Um, it includes them um, going through the summit onto the other side. And I think what's important is that we see the continuum. The continuum is really important. This doesn't stop on Monday. Absolutely. It's, you know, what you do to create that drumbeat until you get to first bus stop. I've heard you in several of our meetings. I mean, I use the word slingshot, which I love. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Well, what I mean is that, you know, this is where we take the shot and how big is the that stone that we need to hit the target. Mm. And that's what we're looking at. Mm. If it's a little bitty one, then we will say that we've demonstrated that leadership is not up to it in the world today. Mm. We would have demonstrated that if it's a tiny little stone. But the bigger it is, the bigger the ambition, and for us, the bigger the um, chance of getting that target in 2020. So it's to, to take that shot that will allow us hit the target mm. in 2020. So it doesn't stop in September here on the 23rd. Um, we pick up a number of sort of bus stops, if you like, um, mm. uh, which will be chilly, which will be very exciting. Uh, because other things that this has done, uh, the Paris Agreement has allowed us to unpack what it means. Mm -hmm. So nature-based solutions have taken on a new dimension. And it's really in incredible to see how it's excited young people, how we don't talk about land degradation, we talk about land restoration. Exactly. So it's really very exciting. Um, and then the oceans. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Ocean Summit was amazing. Now, how do you take those commitments um, uh, to, to, to fruition? A lot of work being done on them. But what we will see in Chile, uh, hopefully, is the Blue Cop. Mm -hmm. um, and that's going to show us what we can do about protected areas, what we can do about bottom trawling that I never heard that word before. But now I know about it. I know that we must never allow it to happen at the scale at which it's happening because that's, in fact, releasing even more emissions. Well, that there is another groundbreaking novelty, um, which is something that, you know, many people have been pushing for so many years, but that I'm finally seeing coming together, which is oceans, land and yeah. climate finally coming together, right? Uh, so the fact that there's going to be a blue COP, the fact that there is so much attention to oceans now, the fact that we have the CBD, the Biodiversity Convention next year, as well as one of the most important climate meetings. Um, so a lot of people are calling it the super year 2020, right? Mm -hmm. Because so many of these things are coming to a head, but also because finally we're realizing that it is only us humans in our infinite stupidity that have divided all of those agendas. In nature, they're not divided. They are totally, totally integrated. And that has also had a lot of resistance in the UN. So, you know, kudos to you also uh, for, for bringing all of those agendas, uh, all of whom have a huge institutional legacy <laughs> behind them. And, you know, you're laughing yeah. because you know what I mean. <laughs> Um, but it's it's the start. It's the start of that very important integration. Well, we had a really exciting dinner in India the other night. It was amazing because what happened, we saw our three convention heads, you know, come round the table. Um, quite frankly, at a convention, uh, UN, UNCCD, 
doesn't get this kind of, um, you know, profiling. It was in India. Um, here we have with a new head who is bringing together his colleagues um, and sitting there with UNEP, mother of the conventions, um, and, and just really speaking to what they needed to do together to make it happen. Why? Because now everyone's got a bit um, in their teeth. Mm. If it's nature-based solutions, you see um, Ibrahim Tiar coming together. If it is on the CBD, and, and that's fantastic that that is going to happen in China, um, then you also see our heads there coming together. And of course, Patricia, who um, you know looks at this and says, wow, this is how it's supposed to be, that goals on the SDGs 13, 14, and 15 are actually about being integrated with Absolutely. each other. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, fantastic. Now, Amina, you have your two daughters um, here today. It happens to be that they are uh, that they are here. So I just wanted to ask you one last question, um, which has to do with young people and uh, with expectations that young people have of us oldies, uh, with the march that we were just uh, at today. Um, and that is, uh, at least from my book, very supportive of all the efforts happening inside here. But just your thoughts uh, on, on, on the young people out there on the march, on their presence here this weekend? Just what, what are your top level thoughts on that? I've been thinking about it. There have been amazing young people like Greta uh, since 1992, right? And they've all made a cry uh, for this, a call for the right thing. And finally, the stars are aligned mm. and you see this massive movement. Yes. As I said, of more than voices, more than marches, but the solutions that they're bringing to this. I mean, this is serious engagement. We get told to sit back and listen. And, and you know, you take the time to listen and you think, this is really cool. I'm not going to hand over the baton, but I am going to stand to the side and then behind so that you ensure they don't fail. And so I think it's incredibly exciting. I mean, as you said, the, the kids all over the world are stepping out. Yeah. And, and they're encouraging those of us that feel youthful, like yourself, Christiana, um, <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> to get out there and to be the cheerleaders with them. Um, because I have to say, I was a little afraid that, you know, kids wouldn't march anymore. Uh, just because there was a time I said to my daughter one day on Women's Day, so are you out there marching for women? And she said, Mom, I'm in bed. Well, why are you in bed? We can march online. Okay, this is not real marching. <laughs> but to see Greta come across, you know, um, she, more than walking, sailing the talk. Yes, And come the into talk. the harbor. Beautifully said. Come down. Um, and then start to really march with all of her uh, contemporaries across the world. Yes. Um, they now inspired yes. to really think about it. Yeah. So I'm very excited. I think that this is amazing. I'm, I'm looking forward to listening. And well, then taking action. I, I don't know who came up with the fantastic concept of a keynote listener yeah, for tomorrow, brilliant. but whoever was, you know, it's our youth kudos. envoy. Fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Such a good concept. It's amazing. Amina, thank you so much. And we we feel, you know, very honored uh, to be here this weekend in support of you and of the Secretary General. Um, and of course, for our young people. Absolutely. To be continued. To be continued. We, to be continued. It's Thank wonderful. you so much. You're welcome. <laughs>
the true hero of this summit, mm-hmm. right? The secretary general delegated it to her and said, now you get this thing together. Um, and I'm sure she's been doing many other things as well. But uh, but it, it was not easy to get this whole thing together. Um, and she has been doing this now for a year. So, you know, kudos to her. Yeah. Against or rather just in the context of such challenging political headwinds. I mean, the comment you made to her about, you know, the change of kind of UN process of not necessarily inviting every country, expecting a certain level of ambition, that's impressive enough. And I remember how challenging that is given UN process. But to do that with the heads of state that are currently in position, many of whom are much more obstructionist than we had in 2015, is really remarkable. No, it really is. And and they really, you know, are... uh, yeah, going uh, against many political or man, many processes and right. many um, traditions. It's it's not like there is a hard and fast rule about something like that, for example, in the UN, but it is a tradition. Right. It's a tradition, you know, that one country, one voice, everybody gets to sit at the table, everybody gets exactly the same amount of time, everybody gets, ev- everything is equal. And, um, and they're totally, you know, breaking that. It's very courageous. Yeah, so... I mean, I think it's fair to say that, that for people listening, we don't know yet what's going to happen on Monday. Hopefully it will be outstandingly ambitious, but it may not be. But in any scenario, we need to see this as a starting gun. There's some amazing people inside the institutions. Amina. Sorry, we don't use guns. Sorry, the starting... Do you um, have an alternative? The, well, um, <laughs> gate? <laughs> the, the the first apple thrown in the air to okay, signify okay. the beginning <laughs> of the race. Um, but in any case, um, you know, there are some amazing people inside the system that yeah. are really trying to do this yeah. and Amina kind of chief amongst them. Absolutely. And, you know, we've got everything to play for for yeah. the next 15 months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and as she said, you know, this is uh, yet another uh, start of a new, you know, chapter in this and it builds on, on the past, but it also sets a new uh, a new aspiration and a new goal in front of people to really live up to what they said that they were going to do. So yeah, kudos to them. Very cool. All right. So it just remains for me to say that Outrage and Optimism is a production of Global Optimism and is produced by Clay Carnell. The team includes Pete Clutton-Brock, Chloe Revel, Natasha Rivikarnik, Marina Mancilla, Callum Green, and Zoe Cholakantic. I'd also like to thank Nigel Topping and Michael Northrup. You can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and please do hit subscribe and leave us a review. We also love the feedback, podcast at globaloptimism.com. So many of you have been writing in, and we do try to respond to every email. Thanks for that kind of feedback. We really appreciate it. Please keep them coming. We'll see you next week. <laughs>